on May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Rising above the thought. In this podcast, Eckhart talks with a live audience. He says, sometimes in our efforts to become present, we fall below thought. It happens when we're consumed by negativity. We reach for something to take away the pain, perhaps alcohol or drugs or food. We may feel relief for a short time, but eventually that discomfort always comes back. What we need to do is resist the pull toward unconsciousness. To awaken spiritually, we must rise above thought to reach a state of alert presence. It's good to be back here after a few years. And surprisingly, it's still the present moment. It's very strange. We are surrendered to the present moment. We are not complaining about anything. And if we stop complaining mentally, that's already the beginning of the end of the ego. The ego thrives on complaining. And as a spiritual practice, before we get into the talk, while people are still looking for their seats, as a spiritual practice, I highly recommend catching yourself in the moment when your mind is complaining about something. And you may be surprised that it happens quite often. It can complain about where you are, or claim that you are not where you want to be, who you are with, what people do or fail to do, or have done or should have done but didn't do, and many other things. Let's say there may be four reasons why you've come here. The majority of you, most probably, have come because you are going through a shift in consciousness, even though you might not have interpreted as such, an awakening. And I will be talking probably a lot about that tonight. So if the term awakening is not entirely clear to you, although you may be awakening, then it will become clear in the course of the evening, not just conceptually, but also experientially. So you are awakening, you are going through a shift in consciousness, and you are here because you know this event, our gathering here, can be a deepening of that or an acceleration 
of that awakening process. Second reason why you may be here is you are ready to awaken, but not quite realize what stepped over this line of where you suddenly disidentify a little bit from your thinking mind, which is awakening. So you're ready and, and you've come here because you have a feeling that this guy may have something important to say, but you're not quite sure what. I'm feeling there's something there, but I have to, I'm going to check him out. Okay, so it may work for you or it may not. If you're not ready, it means you have to suffer a little bit more and, and then you'll be ready. The third group of people, a relatively small number, are here against their will. <laughs> because they couldn't say no to somebody who said, you must come to this and listen to him. I'm sorry that you're here. <laughs> but you may be surprised. You may suddenly be surprised. Or it may be excruciating. We have to wait and see. And now we come to the fourth category of people who are here. They have come here mistakenly because they really wanted to go to the beer fest. <laughs> and somehow they had too many beers even before coming and drifted in here. It's significant that next door, I'm told, there is a beer fest happening tonight. And that's interesting because that is two venues next to each other, and both are concerned with going beyond thought. The one is becoming free of the torture of your mind by consuming a few liquids, beer usually in this case, and thereby gradually falling below thought. And that can be a quite a relief for somebody who is you're tortured by their own thought processes without knowing it. They think they're tortured by life, but they're tortured by their own mind. And that can be a temporary relief, but I call that falling below thought. And if you go on with that, then eventually you fall off the chair or you fall physically. And spiritual awakening is quite simply rising above thought into a state of alert presence. And that is why we're here. This is perhaps the most essential part of the evening together here. We are here to enter that state. And mostly what I'm talking about, I assume what I will be talking about, I say assume because of course I have no idea what exactly is going to come out of this mouth, it's coming out of the present moment. I assume I'll be talking about that state of presence, pointing to it, but most importantly, helping you to go more deeply into it.
and also helping you to understand possibly the obstacles that are rising in you habitually to that state that we call presence, that we could also call awareness, and there may be some other names we could use to describe it. So here we are in this moment, you are listening to me, and I'm, you might have noticed now that most people have taken their seats, I'm going to just for a little while talk a little bit more slowly. I'll probably speed up again after that. I'm talking a little bit more slowly because I'd like you to be aware of the spaces between the words also, not just the words. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. You can also be aware of some music in the background, which undoubtedly is the beer fest. <laughs> And that's okay, doesn't interfere too much, unless your mind says it does, it doesn't. So, as I speak, become aware of the silent spaces between the words. Just notice them. Notice that in addition to the words, there are silent spaces, very brief. And a strange thing happens if you observe yourself closely, you may discover that when you're aware of the silent spaces, you're not actually thinking. In the moment of noticing a space between two words, two sentences, in the moment of noticing, you're not thinking because you cannot notice a silent space and think at the same time. There needs to be something in you that corresponds to that silent space. And that is the inner space of 
awareness. And amazingly, that is also a way of realizing who you are at the most essential, the most fundamental level. Because you are essentially that silent presence, that awareness, that consciousness, that is the essence of who you are. It's the essence of each person in this room. And that's an amazing realization. It transforms the way in which you perceive your identity, your sense of self, because that is a, perhaps one of the most important questions in life, in your life, is the question of identity. And that's why the ancient Greeks, in ancient Greek philosophy, probably going back to Pythagoras, one of the most important sayings they had, which is actually inscribed at the Temple of Apollo at Delphi, know thyself, know thyself. That is the one of the most important things in your life, to know who you are. Now, most people think they know who they are because they identify with, first of all, of course, you have a physical body. And on the level of form, that physical body is, of course, a part of who you are. I call that, this is the level one of form identity. So the most important realization, this is so essential, I don't know why they te don't teach that at school or university. The most important realization is that there are two dimensions to your identity, whereas most humans on the planet, which is all those who are not yet awakening, only know themselves through this, through one identity, one dimension. And that's the dimension of form, form identity. Form identity begins with the physical form. And that is the first thing, of course, when you meet somebody else, the first thing, of course, you notice is the physical identity of that person, a man or woman with a body and an external appearance, and that's the first thing you notice. And with yourself, many people who are unawakened are very, very strongly identified with their physical form, and that's only level one of their form identity. They are very strongly identified with their physical form, either in a positive or in negative sense. Meaning, some people are proud of their body and appearance. <laughs> Look at me and compare themselves mentally to other bodies who are not as beautiful, strong, whatever it may be very strongly identified with body and with appearance. And that's 
or negatively identified. I'm very unhappy about my body, it looks so awful. That again is a negative identification with body. And of course that's amplified these days through the clever technology that humans have developed. Selfies are very popular these days. And usually they show aspects of your body, I suppose, your appearance. So you go... <laughs> and then you send it out to as many people as possible. And then everybody, all your friends, including hundreds of people you've never met, <laughs> they look at your body or your external appearance and feel bad because you look so happy. <laughs> and that makes them feel even more unhappy than they were already. And to compensate for this, they also get out their phone and take a selfie, <laughs> looking extremely happy. And perhaps you can find a background that makes people feel envious. Or you show yourself in a restaurant having this incredible meal. <laughs> and for a while that can keep people, well, not never happy for very long, but busy and you feel relatively okay in that dimension. Of course, sooner or later, a time comes when the body changes, strangely, changes its appearance. And you may think that the mirrors are no longer as good as they used to be because you don't look quite the same as before. And so there are many options open to you, but you begin to be then a little bit unhappy more because you're identified with something that doesn't last. And particularly people who had a very strong body identification become very unhappy as they grow old. Very unhappy. And nobody has told them that such an identity is extremely limited. Extremely limited identity, but they don't know that. That's all they have. And then suddenly the body that made them feel superior now becomes a source of great unhappiness. And that is the fate of all those who do not go deeper within in order to discover deeper levels of who they are. So I never particularly was tempted to identify, even when I was young, with my body because it wasn't particularly strong or good looking. So what do I do? I felt inadequate. It was a source of suffering. However, I realized I am more than my body, I'm also my mind. If I can't look stronger and more beautiful than the person next to me, I can be more intelligent, I can be more knowledgeable. So my sense of identity shifted instead of physical, although there was some negative identification, but my sense of identity shifted to my mind. It shifted to that, which of course is, an, is the next level down for your form identity, is your mind. Your mind is all the accumulated knowledge and memories and so on that are kept alive 
by thought processes. So to compensate for my inadequate body, I read as much as possible so that I could make other people feel inferior to me because they didn't know as much as me. So I was still very uneasy, but whenever I was in a group of people, I would immediately start talking about knowledgeable things and show how much I knew to make other people feel less than me. That's a very normal egoic strategy. <laughs> was that the ego saying, don't talk about me so much? Of course, I wasn't happy. I was continuously in a state of unease because there were always people who knew more than me. So what do you do with them? <laughs> and then there were others who didn't know more than me, but they had something else to identify with. They had high social standing. At a university, I met a few lords and ladies, they didn't do anything to deserve those titles. They were born with them. So the baby comes out of the mother's womb and say, oh, this is lady so-and-so. <laughs> and many of those people, they derived a very significant part of their identity from their social background, upper class, Basically, it means family history. So they identified very strongly with that, and it could give them a sense of superiority towards most others. And even if the others were more intelligent, you had so much more class, so much more influence, background, whatever you call it. Even the way you in English language in England, even the way you speak, you will immediately show others, well, not a little, a little less these days, but when I was young and lived in England, the moment you opened your mouth, people would judge you what social class you were. Working class, middle class, upper class, upper middle class, upper class, or, and many, of course, pretending, trying to be, sound very upper class in an exaggerated way. It's very embarrassing, but they thought it worked. Again, we people are looking for an identity. And the sense of identity is never ultimately satisfying. They're always looking for more. They're looking for something to strengthen their sense of identity, to strengthen their sense of who they are. And the ego, basically, that's what the ego is, to have a sense of identity that is based on the conditioned mind plus the emotions that reflect the conditioned mind. Usually people think when one speaks of a big ego, that is, ego is people who are big, bigger than life, they have a huge ego, they think they are the greatest and the most wonderful and superior to everybody. That can be one aspect of ego. There's also another ego. If you don't have enough stuff to identify with, you don't have more knowledge than most people, you don't have a great body or appearance, you don't have social uh, class background, you don't have possessions, what do you do then? What do I identify with then? Oh my God, who am I? Oh, then the ego will very cleverly shift to a kind of victim identity. 
on May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. I am so, I've been treated so unfairly by life. My parents, it started when I was born. Dreadful background. Life always, always been at a disadvantage, always been a victim, either you personally or you can identify with the whole social group and say, we have always been victims and we still are victims. Of course, there are individuals who have been who, born into very dreadful circumstances. There are also, there have been on our entire groups of people who are born into bad circumstances. That is undoubtedly true. The danger is making that into your sense of identity that keeps you trapped very much in a kind of prison. Very seductive. There's a big tendency these days for people to have a collective victim identity, very seductive for the ego. You can read about it on the internet very quickly, how it becomes more and more fashionable almost these days to have a collective victim identity and that again, there are men who feel they are the victims of women. <laughs> we men, there are women who feel they are the victims of men, that all men are basically bad. And then there's a smaller group of men who think all women are out to get them, don't want anything more to do with women. <laughs> That's 50% of humanity dismissed. <laughs> Gives you a sense of identity. So be careful with also political viewpoints in your mind, mental positions that you share with groups of others. Of course, everybody has certain mental positions concerning politics or whatever it may be. The danger is that that becomes the most significant part of your sense of self. Then you are trapped in this, what I call, form identity. You may have gone beyond the physical form of the body, but you are still trapped in a mental form identity. And if you are trapped in a mental form identity, you need others, other people or groups of people to totally disagree with you so that you can make them into your enemies. That is a very common strategy of the mind-made, fictitious, ultimately fictitious sense of self that is the ego. And you have to be very careful with that too, very seductive, especially if you start going on the internet these days and social 
social, whatever it's called. You go on the internet these days and see a lot of unconscious mind activity in attacking other people, attacking groups of people, attacking individuals in the most vile way. People who are so deeply trapped in their, in their form identity that this ego has to, it loves making others into enemies, other groups. <laughs> it's an unconscious process. Don't allow yourself to be drawn into that through social media and all those things that people use these days. The unconscious need to make either individuals or other groups of people into your enemies. Even in very unconscious people, the point of you want to kill them. So those are the most unconscious. And if you're a bit, a bit still unconscious, but not extreme of unconsciousness, you, you shout at them and you say they are the most dreadful human beings that ever lived on the planet. You are identified with your mental positions, you're identified with your mind, and the more you emphasize the otherness of others, the more you feel that your sense of identity gets stronger and enhanced. It's a delusion. What you really, you are more deluded than before. The more you, the more you strengthen the ego identity, the more deluded you actually are as to your true identity. You, and you, the more trapped you become in this mental, ultimately conceptual prison and think that is who you are. But it's an unconscious process. The ego needs enemies in order to feel its, the boundary around it, itself more strongly. Religions, some religions do it. So you have the the disbelievers, the unbelievers, disbelievers, they are less than human in some extreme forms of religion, or those who do not share your particular belief even within your religion in some cases are less than human. These are extreme forms of egoic unconsciousness, but the egoic unconsciousness also manifests in less extreme forms. There's a whole scale which this egoic unconsciousness manifests. And it's all based on identity. It's not ultimately knowing who you are. Now, this does not mean that you, you do not have a form identity because obviously every human being has a form identity and needs to some extent honor their form identity. We're not saying you're not a body, don't think about your body, just don't, no. And we're not saying, don't have any political viewpoint, it's dangerous. No, we're not saying that. Even I have political viewpoints, I don't talk about them because I don't want to lose 50% of the audience. <laughs> and the other 50% would go, yes, yes. It's much more important that you awaken, that I reach as many people as possible so they awaken so that wisdom can manifest in their life. And then you are no longer trapped in your mental positions. You may still have them, but you no longer, and this is the key, you no longer derive your sense of who you are from your mental positions. Therefore, you're no longer threatened when somebody questions your mental positions, whatever the mind has identified with, when somebody questions your political viewpoints, 
questions your religion, questions your beliefs, questions even insignificant things, that the car that you drive is actually not good, not very good. You didn't you know that? What? My car? This identification, honoring who you are on the level of form is fine, not only accepting, but also honoring this body. Of course, you look after the body, you do your best, exercise, nutrition, and so on. You do your best to look after the body so that it lasts, if possible, for as long as possible, or at least until you become enlightened, and then it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> because then you don't need time anymore. But until you're enlightened, you need time, or you think you need time. The, the greatest error is to that, you, of course, that you think you need time to be enlightened. You don't. But you may need time until you fully realize that you don't need time. <laughs> we'll be going into that more deeply in time. <laughs> so there is an identity that, yes, you have a form identity, and it is to be honored. You have a form identity as, for example, perhaps most of you are Irish. That is part of your form identity. That is part of what you inherited, and that is part of the, the culture into which you were born. It is not something to be totally dismissed and to say, oh, this is worthless, I'm just into... This is part of who you are on the level of form. It is not who you are on the deepest level. It is not who you are in the essence of your being. But it is who you are, part of who you are, on the level of form. And it's good to acknowledge that you can love your cultural background, why not? But if you identify with it completely, then the danger is that the ego misuses it, uses it, ultimately misuses it, and it will make other cultures that are not yours has this tendency of making other cultures into either less or enemies. It strengthens itself through that. So, for example, to recognize your own culture is fine, but to dismiss or to attack other cultures, then you realize ego has come in. The ego always attempts superiority of others. Always its attempt is, it's an unconscious process. Its attempt is superiority. And and it loves its enemies, collectively and individually. So there's a difference between loving your culture, but not needing it ultimately to tell you who you are, just realizing it's part of your form identity. Same thing, accepting your uh, viewpoints and perspectives on politics or whatever it may be, but realizing that is not who you are essentially, then when you come into contact with another culture, you can have a friendly exchange. It's lovely. And you can learn from other cultures and be interested in other cultures and still value yours. You can also share a conversation with somebody who has a different persuasion politically. 
And this person may question your beliefs and you can defend, yes, you can defend your mental position without the feeling that you are defending your life, without the feeling that you're being attacked by somebody if somebody questions your mental position. That is the difference between having a mental position, a perspective, a viewpoint, or being identified with your mental position, which means you derive your sense of self from it. That is the danger, that is the delusion, that is the egoic unconsciousness. And that is something we need to grow out of, and we are growing out of it. Because if we don't grow out of it, we create more and more havoc on the planet, because the egoic delusion, the ego is basically insane, or it has degrees of insanity. So identification is the identification with form identity is egoic delusion, but accepting form identity and valuing form identity is fine. Now, the only way you cannot be identified with your form identity, which is your body, whether you're a man or a woman, that's for many people is a big identification already, country, nationality, culture, family background, education, knowledge, all abilities, all the things that be. The only way you can not be identified is using it as the source for your sense of self is to discover in yourself a more essential, deeper sense of who you are. And this is why we're here, and that is the spiritual awakening. So you have the two dimensions. We're going more deeply into that now. We have the two dimensions of who you are. You are here as a form identity with a body and with a cultural, a mental cultural background, edu knowledge, education, mental conditioning, the personality that you are also on a on a level of who you see yourself as a person is an essential part of the ego too. You have that, which is your story. And again, I need to add this one to form identity. It is also a danger to identify with your personal history and derive your sense of self exclusively from your personal history with all to do with your form identity. Your personal history is what, what makes you the person, the personality that you are now, that you, the personality that goes through life manifesting your particular type of conditioning because everybody here has been conditioned, their minds, your mind, has been conditioned in a certain way. Obviously, since you were born, you were born into a particular family, so you already start to get conditioned by that family background. You're born into a particular country, and this conditions you in that way. You're born into a particular, perhaps, a religion that conditions you in that way. You are born into particular circumstances, financial and otherwise, whether your parents are educated, not educated, what kind of school you go to, all those things gradually come together and they form certain mind forms, which are ultimately thought forms. And these thought forms, they, they come together 
And these thought forms that are most frequently activated in your mind form this personality that you are. That's another aspect of your form identity. And for most people, that's all they know. They only know themselves as that. They only know themselves as this, this person that they are. And they identify with their form identity. And all the other things I mentioned before are part of that, their political views and also on the, all this forms the personality or the person. And everybody has conditioning, of course. You can't not be conditioned. Your mind is conditioned by the surrounding culture. If you had been born in some country long away from here, you would not be the same person that you are now. If you had been born in Saudi Arabia, you had been born somewhere in Africa, you had been born somewhere in South America, you would not be the person you are now because your mind, your mental conditioning would be different. The one thing that would not change is in the absence of awakening, you would be completely identified with your conditioning. And so that is something important to recognize that you have a personal history. Some of it you know, you remember many things you remember about and that makes up who you are. Some things you don't even remember. They are unconscious forms of conditioning. You may have to go to a psych psychoanalyst or someone like that <laughs> to uncover hidden memories and things. And that has certain usefulness, but it does not awaken you. It's, it has a certain usefulness. So the strange thing is, though, that on the level of the personality and your personal history, for most people, that story of who they think they are is not terribly happy. There are many people who go through life feeling miserable a lot of the time, and they're being made miserable by something that they call my life. My life. My life is making me unhappy. This is a very common way of, of living and suffering. My life is making me unhappy. There may be a few of you still here who have that notion that their life is almost a burden to them and that so many things went wrong. So many things that happened should not have happened. And other things that should have happened, didn't happen. So many people live with that and there are many regrets. There are grievances. There are mental accusations of myself. How could I have been so stupid? Of other people, look what they did to me. All kinds of things that you carry around, which are, now what are those things that you carry around? The guilt, the regret, the grievances, and so on, all to do with your past. What are those things? Those things, if you, it really all boils down to, they are thoughts in your head, plus emotion that reflects the thoughts. So it's an emotional, a mental emotional entity in you. These are thoughts about you, about your life, and these thoughts you call your life, but all it is is thoughts. So here we again, we come to the point of identification. 
which is always ego, unconscious identification, when you identify with every thought that arises in your head, and in the case of your personal history, it's a narrative. The personal history is basically a story, a story you tell yourself and others of what happened to me, and the story has an, even an unconscious part to it. It might just be there certain emotions. But basically, there's a narrative in everybody's mind, and people call it my life, not realizing that ultimately what they call my life are concepts that they keep alive in their mind. So it is a mental, a mind-made sense of identity. And this is the most normal way for people to live. Everybody who is not awakened and not, has not even touched that, that dimension within them, they are totally trapped in that they don't know that they are trapped. And millions of people on the planet are made miserably unhappy by the narrative in their heads. The narrative that says, my life that went wrong here and there, and there's so many regrets, and also I've missed out on life, it's too late now. What's the point of it anyway? Oh, it's so awful. And you, you tell yourself the story. You can tell it to others too. They maybe want, perhaps they'll listen. <laughs> let, let me tell you about my, you think you've had it bad? <laughs> I'm just, I, let me just laugh. You, you, you can't complain. Let me tell you my story. It all started when I came out of my mother's womb. <laughs> I, cry, I couldn't stop crying, it was so, so awful. I, I knew I didn't want to be here. And then it went downhill from there. Now, if that's not your life, where is your life? If that's only concepts in your head, ultimately thought forms that you mistake for who you are, if those are thought forms, so if those thought forms are ultimately not your life, they are the story of you. They may be your life situation, that's they, because who you, what your life situation is now is connected to the so-called past. The so-called past has brought you here. You're in a particular life situation, in a particular location where you live, particular work that you do, family, relationships, or none, and all that is your life situation and your life, and it's not who you are, ultimately. And to look for yourself in the realm of the mind, which in the, ultimately the realm of concepts, mental concepts, which is really what it is, the story, it's a collection of mental concepts, is very limiting and is a source of unhappiness. Because no mind-made self, no conceptual identity, which is what the ego is, no conceptual identity is really a very happy one. The most conceptual identities live in a state of almost continuous sense of not enough. There's a sense of lack. There's something that hasn't happened yet in my life. Something hasn't happened yet 
I hope it's going to happen. I don't even know exactly what it is. But I have this strange feeling that I haven't started living yet. I have this strange feeling that it hasn't started yet. Weird. I'm waiting for my life to start. Because so far, that can't be my life. That wasn't good enough. That's not it. And then you must suddenly you're surprised you're 75. <laughs> it still hasn't started. Before you're 75, you can still have the delusion that when I retire, when I finally retire, I'll start living. Then, or before you had a few other delusions, before you had other delusions which turned out to be delusions, for example, when I finally find the ideal partner, then I'll be happy for the rest of my life. That was one of the big delusions. <laughs> because obviously you married the wrong person. <laughs> because when you started living with that person, you realized that that wasn't the person you married. Suddenly you say, who is this guy? Who is this person? Oh my God, big mistake. <laughs> and then you had a few other delusions that you, suddenly you had arrived because finally you got the promotion or whatever it was. And then, you, yes, okay. But then you went into that situation, there was something wrong there, there was a big downside to it. All the people around you were out to get you and there were intrigues and the energy field in that company was dreadful. Yes, the salary was good, but you were miserable every day. And then you find every situation you go into has a huge downside or turns around and becomes the opposite. The person who makes you happy today makes you unhappy two years' time. Same person. Weird. <laughs> so the, that sense of self that has this sense of something lacking. So it's always a sense of insufficiency, of not enough. That is the conceptual sense of self. That is my life that either hasn't started yet or hasn't worked out yet, or then you have hope. I'm going to make it, that interesting expression. I'm going to make it, whatever that is. The world tells you you have to make it. I am going to make it, I hope. And then on the other side you have the fear. I may not make it. <laughs> and then you wake up in the middle of the night. I'm not going to make it. <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to be just as insignificant as I'm right now. I'm not going to be recognized by everybody as extraordinary. If somebody, when I was in my 20s, had told me I had a big ego, more on the unhappy side, the, the victim ego side, but anyway, big. If somebody had told me, like say, if I had gone to a psychic and that psychic had said, you will be one day a great spiritual teacher, my ego would have gone, wow, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be significant. Now, if the psychic had been a good one, he would have added, but you have to die first. 
and it's not going to give you any personal satisfaction. What? <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> what do you mean I have to die first? Well, perhaps he would have explained your entire conceptual identity has to go. So when you become a spiritual teacher, you're not going to be proud of being a spiritual teacher. So on that level, it's not satisfying. And so I probably would have said, I don't know if I still want it. <laughs> so we have my life, and it's a conceptual identity in the head, and it's a huge limitation to be trapped in it. Again, you can honor your history. It's coming back to accepting and honoring who you are. That's part of who you are on the level of form. It's fine. You can remember your past. You can look at the photos. You remember stories, what happened. But there's no longer a sense of getting your sense of self from that. So how do you not identify? Now we come to the core of it. How do you not identify with your form identity, your conceptual self? Well, here we come to the ancient Greek dictum again. Know thyself. Know thyself at the deepest level. Now, the interesting fact is, at the temple of Apollo in ancient Greece, there was that inscription, Know thyself. But, of course, most people didn't know what to do with that. Okay. Um, well, they went to the oracle at Delphi and asked questions about, am I going to meet the right person? And then the oracle would say, so I said, I lost this ring. Where, where did I leave it? And then the oracle would say something. Please tell me where I'm going to be in 20 years' time. Okay. These are all very superficial things that people were seeking. And this is why there was this inscription, Know Thyself. But nobody knew, but they had put a key there, a secret key on this building in order to show people how to know themselves. And that secret key, for several hundred years, nobody knew what it meant. The secret key in ancient Greek, it was the letter A, E, A, E in Greek, and just one letter on the building. And see, what, what does that mean? And several hundred years, Later, the philosopher Plutarch explained it in one of his writings. It's the second person, quite simply, it's the second person, singular, and it means you are. You are. And that is the secret key to the saying, know thyself. What does that mean? You are. So when somebody reads that, Somebody reads that, you are. So how would you, when you say to yourself, of course you say, oh, I am? Yes, you are. I am? I am what? Now, the interesting thing is, nothing was added to it. It just said, you are. It doesn't say, you are Greek, you are a man or a woman, or you are this or that, or you are a Democrat or Republican. It just said, or you're rich or poor, or old or young, or whatever. It said, you are. This is a pointer. It's a pointer. Not an explanation or anything. It's a pointer. So when you read you are, 
you translate it as I am. I am what? Now this pointer is very significant. It points to the essence of who you are that is deeper or higher, one could say, than your form identity. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Eckhart Tolle, Essential Teachings, the podcast. You can follow these essential teachings on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, go to Spotify and follow this podcast. Join us next week for more enlightened teachings from Eckhart Tolle. Thank you for listening. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it, between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics, because that's who we are. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions.